You are Locked On SEC Football, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to your Locked On SEC Football Podcast. Boy, we got some big news today. Awfully glad that you tuned in because we've got news on Texas A&M, a commitment for the Aggies, a commitment for the uh, Rebels as well out of Ole Miss. We'll go around the country, take a look at a Houston senior quarterback that you need to know about, a recruiting report. Uh, we talk a little bit of uh, Clemson as we veer outside the SEC for just a bit. Film room, we're going to talk about the Alabama Crimson Tide and a uh, scouting spotlight this year at the second-year head coaches in the SEC, and there are quite a few. We begin uh, with the big lead, Texas A&M, with a commitment that makes us both feel a little bit old, Chris. Yeah, there's no question about it. Moosin Muhammad, yes. If you, um, the name sounds familiar. Yes, he's Moosin's son. Uh, I did uh, scout him out of Michigan State years ago. Played in the league, most notably with the Carolina Panthers. Yes, he has uh, committed to six feet, 185. A little bit uh, smaller at the same stage as his dad, but really good uh, receiver, uh, four-star guy, very, very good. Uh, North Carolina, boy, North Carolina is, uh, we'll get into that uh, at a little later date, but man, are they doing an awfully good job, Dave, of recruiting. Mac Brown is doing it again. I thought maybe age, but uh, might be a factor. Man, are they they really getting it done. Tennessee was very interested, but um, Ohio State, Michigan State, his dad's alma mater, Oregon, Auburn. But um, he's a he's a four four guy, just like his dad. Um, he's one of the top uh, 100, 150 top overall prospects in the class of 2020. Good get for Jimbo Fisher and the Aggies, as he is definitely committed uh, to uh, to uh, to stay uh, or to head towards College Station for his college career. Well, and a commitment from uh, Ole Miss as well. Uh, they just uh, keep recruiting well. I know there were a bunch of rumors and um, there were all kinds of allegations uh, during uh, their recruiting heyday uh, about five years ago. But uh, they continue to recruit well this time. Four-star 2020 defensive tackle Josiah Hayes. Yeah, you know, you worry a little bit about their overall numbers. And, you know, the quality is still pretty solid. It's maybe not to the level that it was but you worry about their overall depth and you worry about it having an effect, cumulative effect two, three years down the road and, and kind of starting this year. But be that as it may, Josiah Hayes, four-star defensive tackle, um, is outstanding and a really good get for them. He's one of the top, um, you know, uh, 200 uh, so players in the class of 2020, um, Alabama, Georgia, Mississippi State. Is also in them. 6'3", 296, as I mentioned. Gets a really good push up the middle. Very athletic. Stays balanced in the pass rush. And really uh, has good upper body strength uh, against the run. So a really good get for them. They just need more of them in Oxford. Well, you talk about some current players uh, from time to time on the big lead. And you think Georgia freshman wide receiver Dominique Blaylock is a favorite to return punts and kicks for the Bulldogs this year. Yeah, he looks like the best. And, you know, try to throw in some nuggets every now and then as, you know, you look at a lot of film, you make some notes, and you kind of look at how things are developing around the spring, talking to coaches. And this young man, of course, they've lost so many receivers and some of them that return so well. And um, Cole Hardeman and Godwin are gone. 
uh, and they were the primary returners. Dominic Blaylock is outstanding, 6'1", 195. He can really run. He's got really good quickness. He was a five-star guy. He's one of the really good athletes that they signed, um, and he will help them early in the return game. I think he's got uh, good vision. I think he, he get heads up field very nicely, so he's got a natural feel for it. And, you know, Dave, the, the eye-hand coordination, particularly on punts, returning kicks uh, are quite a bit easier. Returning punts is very underrated. I don't think we talk enough about it. I know in football, you know, in clinics and things that we talk with, with other coaches, we, we talk a lot about the returns. It is not talked about enough in the media. That is a tough thing to do. You think about it. Now imagine catching a fly ball, but a baseball, you have a pretty good read on where it's gone and you got nobody coming to, <laughs> to take out your knees when you're <laughs> right. doing it, but you got a football that's spinning and kickers today, particularly the, 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 the rage is all these um, Australian rules type kickers, which by the manipulation of the ball, the, the simple turning of the ball before they drop it, it creates a knuckleball effect, a reverse spin effect, which makes the ball move a little bit. And if you have any sort of win at all, the football is much more affected than a baseball, believe it or not, because of the wind affecting the, the, the spear of the ball moving, you got to be able to catch it. And with the idea that if you drop it, um, it's going into somebody else's hands and, and obviously know and have a good sense. It is, it is a difficult skill, which by the way, though, is one of the reasons that we like guys as scouts and as coaches, we, we like guys that play other sports and guys who like play outfield in baseball they have a general sense of eye-hand coordination to do this. I'm, I'm, I'm veering off a little bit to, to mention this. This guy's really good and has a knack for it. So um, let's watch for him this year for Georgia's. I think he's going to win um, and be the, the key return guy for them when the season gets gone. Well, and catching it under pressure is hard enough. And then you, you would like for him to do something with it once he mm-hmm. catches it. So, uh, yeah, that's just half the challenge. I, I tell you what, shirts. Should not wrinkle, itch, or sweat. That's why you got to go to Twillery. Twillery.com. Use the promo code Locked On for $25 off and a limited time Father's Day special until June the 16th. Enjoy a free set of bottle opener collars days. You've got to check out Twi- Twillery. We're talking about smart, casual, getting smarter, and cheaper. Twillery brings performance work shirts to the next level with four way stretch material that shuts down wrinkles, stops sweating, and keeps you looking and feeling cool for as low as $55 a pop when you bundle four or more. Free shipping and returns. It's top value in smart workwear. you got to grab them right there on Twillery.com. And again, use the Locked On promo code for $25 off. They're non-iron. They've got an untuckable style that I love and performance dress shirts. For, again, as low as $55. Twillery built on a century-old family manufacturing business. They still make millions of shirts a year for leading brands. They leverage those contacts and their team's technical knowledge and know-how to keep costs down while maintaining high standards and quality and craftsmanship. Shirts are a commodity, and they make stocking up your closet as simple as restocking beer in your fridge. And who doesn't like that? Easy, affordable, and the perfect fit guaranteed. 
you've got to check out Twillery and use that promo code for $25 off. Do the math really quick, and you're getting four quality shirts for less than a couple of hundred bucks. The promo code, again, locked on for $25 off. We do go around the country from time to time, and we do that right now. Tell me about uh, Houston senior quarterback that uh, is pretty good, and we should keep an eye on. Yeah, De'Eric King uh, is a group of five quarterback that you really should keep an eye on this fall, and Let's remind folks, sometimes people forget this time of year when the coaching changes are made. Dana Holgerson left West Virginia to go to Houston, and um, seeing a talent like him pair up with with Dana is going to be real interesting. He's a very athletic guy. He's a 5'11", 195, and he really was effective last year. I thought his play in the red zone was outstanding. Uh, he was very. He's a very efficient passer. Uh, he had a uh, a knee injury that's been he that's been healed to this point, but he's a big time uh, run guy with his legs. He had 14 touchdowns, um, but he's also very underrated in the pocket. Um, really did with a clean pocket. Did a very good job 2018. Um, I, I don't see him necessarily as a next level guy, but I think a really good college quarterback that let's keep an eye out. Houston and Daniel Hargison, he's an efficient recruiter. By that, I mean he got good players that fit his program at West Virginia. At Houston, I think Houston is an intriguing program, Dave, because they're around so much talent. They can get good players that maybe want to stay close to home. I think Houston is every bit is capable of pulling the Central Florida, which means, you know, a program that looks the closest to being like a Power Five program that's in the Group of Five. And I think that with Dana Hogerson, they're going to be explosive on offense, and I think they're going to be fun to watch. Derek King's going to be fun to watch this year at quarterback for him. Coming up, we will talk about a 2021 five-star prospect that showing some serious interest in several schools, but we'll visit uh, Clemson this week. That's a recruiting report. Also, just right around the corner, uh, we will go into the film room and uh, talk about 2020 running back Zachary Evans taking an unofficial visit to Alabama. And in the scouting spotlight, a look at second-year head coaches in the SEC this year. Stay tuned. He's Chris Landry of LandryFootball.com. I'm Dave Hooker. More after this. You are Locked On SEC Football, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back. You're Locked On SEC Football Podcast. I remind you, we also have a daily Locked On Big Ten Football Podcast. So check it out on the Locked On Sports Network, or you can also go to LandryFootball.com and find it right there. Five-star 2020 wide receiver visiting Clemson this week, and He's a very high-profile member of the 2021 class, and Clemson continues to elevate their recruiting, which is is a bit of a change. Chris, they were always in that uh, top 10 type of area, but now they seem to be competing for even better players, and with the success they've had, they, they seem to be parlaying that. There's no doubt about it. I mean, it's Clemson, it's Alabama, it's Georgia leading the way. Ohio State's kind of right there in recruiting as well, but... Clemson is, uh, you're right, they're recruiting at an even better level post 
two national championships in recent years. I mention it because, you know, we got a lot of the five-star guys that have already committed for the 2020 class. Uh, 2021, folks, we're starting to see a few of those guys commit, certainly a lot of them visiting. I, I don't want to get into the recruiting calendar. That, that's for another topic another day. But a guy Hill is a five-star guy, and it is, um, I think, maybe one of the best um, if not the best receiver in that class of 2021, top 10, top 15 overall, they are crushing it not only in 2020, but already in 2021. Um, so they're not going anywhere. I mean, they're not going to slip at all. They've obviously put a lot of good receivers. I got to tell you, between Clemson and Alabama, their recruiting of receivers are off the charts. I don't know that I've seen the the depth of receivers at both schools that, I mean, I mean, I'm seeing guys already that are going into high, they're coming out of high school that it is really early in health and attitude and work ethic and development long way to go Dave. but I'm seeing future NFL talent galore, not one or two, but I'm seeing guys that from a depth standpoint, five and six guys each in both programs, and it's happening every year. So he is special. He's a big-time playmaker. He's a big target. Um, he's uh, outstanding. And we'll see where he's going to go. Now, I mentioned he's visiting Clemson this week. He hasn't committed to Clemson. We don't know where he's going. We'll see where it – but they are definitely the leader at this point. Long way to go before we figure out where this guy is likely committed, and we know it's 2021. But – Wanted to mention again because of how dominant a job that Dabo and his staff are doing there. We step into the film room, want to take a look at running back Zachary Evans, an unofficial visit to Alabama. Uh, this uh, it'll go on Monday, excuse me. And mm -hmm. um, when, when you start to talk about the pitch that Nick Saban has, has made on running backs, when when he first spoke about it, hey, you'll have more tread on your tires for the for the NFL because you might not play much as an underclassman. I kind of rolled my eyes a little bit, but I, he's he, he's been able to pull it off. Uh, the uh, the guys do have more tread on their tires, and I don't think it was just a recruiting pitch. I think it's it's fact. Well, I think that a couple of things. First of all, it's it's one of the real advantages when you're at a program at Clemson or Alabama that. You can recruit basically first rounders, you know, galore at particularly positions other than quarterback, where if you recruit multiple guys, um, uh, you, they, they tend to leave. You, usually you see the top backs and receivers. You can play a lot of those guys. Historically, what we've seen at Alabama is really good backs every year. You bide your time. You don't play a whole lot early and then you play behind a great one, then it's your turn, you get, you become the guy, then you go off to the NFL and you have, you know, become a high pick and become a great player. It, that happens in most cases. However, there are times where the young guy comes in and he just better. I mean, you know, we saw it even last year. Um, he, you saw Josh Jacobs eventually become the guy. By season's end, he was the better back, the better all-around back. And, and so you kind of earn your way. You may play a little, you may play a lot early, you may play a little early, 
but you're really good. You're going to get your chance. This guy, Zach Evans, um, I've watched him, and he is special. Now, most people think he is the best player in the class of 2020. The best player, not the best running back, the best overall player. You know, five-star, you know, you know, people in Texas, coaches in Texas, says he's the best they've seen since Adrian Peterson. Now, he's not like Adrian Peterson. He's built differently. He's built more like Travis Etienne of Clemson. Dave, he's better than Travis Etienne. This kid is unbelievable. He has got tremendous stop-start ability. He's just a shade under 200 pounds. Uh, He's a darter, but he's patient and presses the line of scrimmage. He's got good lower body strength. He will be a little too upright. A lot of the Alabama backs are. Um, You know, he doesn't get ideal after contact yards, but, boy, he bounces off of tackles very well. Now, he will have to learn a little bit, and it's one of the things athletically he could come in and be one of those guys that lighted up for Alabama early in um, next season, not this year, of course. Um, But he's going to have to learn how to be a little patient in terms of, I mean, he's patient as a runner inside, but outside he tends to want to bounce things. And you get big yardage as a runner, not by trying to bounce it to get big yards, but you try to get four yards, and those four yards can become 14 pretty easily with explosive runs. Uh, He's got home run ability, but he's also got um, every down capabilities. I see him as one of those guys that might play early, but I could see them working him in, maybe sitting a large part his rookie year, and by the 2021 season, this guy may be one of the guys for the ages. Zach Evans is special. Um, Alabama is high on his list. Ohio State is on his list. We see a lot of good backs going there. So there's a lot of competition. LSU, who signed obviously a great one last year, is high on his list. Oklahoma is on his list. Georgia's on his list. Pretty good group, I would say. <laughs> I mean, other than uh, than LSU, everybody's been kind of a national playoff caliber team. The only, the only team's not on the list that, that is, that's missing is Clemson. So this kid's special. Um, I don't know that we're working towards a commitment yet from this guy, but this is the guy that everyone is mostly interesting because he's kind of on the list as the number one guy in the country. So we'll see where Zach Evans goes. He's from uh, North Shore High School out there in Houston, Texas. Special, special back. To get a chance to Google him or however you watch film, uh, he's special. I'm sure the highlight clips are great. And studying the film was was a pleasure to watch Zach Evans. So watch him. Keep an eye out on him, and we'll, we'll keep you up to date on LandryFootball.com. And right here, if he starts to narrow down and focus on where he's leading. Because at this point, hard to really gauge where his uh, this lead is at this point. Excited about this next segment because we're going to take a look at uh, the challenges of several second-year coaches in the SEC, and there are a lot of them. So stay tuned. You're locked on SEC Football Podcast. Don't forget, uh, you can go to Twillery.com. Fantastic shirts for his uh, affordable prices, fifty-five dollars. Uh, they absolutely don't wrinkle, non-iron. Uh, just unbelievable shirts. And use the locked on uh, 
promo code to get $25 off. And you bundle four together, they're uh, as affordable as $55. And we're talking about quality work shirts. They've got the untucked version as well, which certainly fits my style. So coming up, we'll look at those second-year SEC coaches more after this. Locked on SEC football podcast. (coughs) You are locked on SEC football, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, here we go. I've been looking forward to this segment uh, throughout the podcast. You're locked on SEC football podcast, a daily podcast with Chris Landry of LandryFootball.com. And I'm Dave Hooker. And let's get right to it. There are several second year head coaches in the SEC. Dan Mullen, Jimbo Fisher, Jeremy Pruitt, Joe Moorhead, uh, Matt Luke. And when you start to look at these guys, I, I think there's no question in my mind, Jimbo Fisher uh, will have uh, success. I do believe in in Dan Mullen. After that, I'm curious uh, what you think because I think there are questions about everybody else that is a second year SEC coach. Well, let's take let's first of all let's take uh, let's take Dan Mullen. Um, I thought he did a great job improving that offense. I think for the first time in a long time, Florida's offense is really well coached. And with the the ability to recruit players on defense, they've really, through this rough stretch, I call it rough stretch, relatively speaking, for Florida, uh, they've had really good talent on defense. Pass rushers, corners, you combine that with improved offense, uh, i got to tell you, he's gotten more out of Felipe Franks than I thought was there. Um, Emory Jones is a completely different type of guy, but I, I feel very confident in saying this guy's track record of coaching up offenses are very good. I, I think Florida's in the best shape it's been in a long time since Urban Meyer was there, and I, I think the future's good. The only thing is you still it's still about players. Can he approach the same level as Georgia and Alabama recruiting-wise? If he can, and let's just use Georgia, then I think they're in business. Um, you, you know, if, if he can't, would well, then – you know, it, it. I think Florida, Georgia in the future with Kirby and Dan is going to be phenomenal because I think they get under each other's skin, one, and they're both very good. And I would maybe give a slight edge to Kirby as a recruiter, maybe a slight edge to Dan as an on-the-field game day coach and strategist. But both are very good in the other area. Dan is a recruiter and Kirby as an on-field coach. So I don't think there's a weakness there. I think it's going to be fun. With Jimbo, I'm excited. I think that that's the the program that we all thought in football. And there was a point in time, I'm old enough to remember, where Florida never did anything in football. And it was, I remember Bear Bryant used to say, if they ever hire the right coach, we'll all be playing for second. And um, Florida obviously did it with Spurrier and did it with Urban, and we know what Florida's capable of. A&M, without the tradition of winning, has the financial resources and the recruiting resources to be not good but great. They haven't done it. We'll see if Jimbo can do it. I think he's an outstanding coach. I think he's an outstanding recruiter. I know Florida State fans hate him, Dave, because – I think he let go of the rope that last year. I think he got frustrated with the administration. And 
he stopped recruiting that last year and in some ways was was had one foot out the door most of his last year at FSU. They'll never forgive him at, in Tallahassee for that, and I understand that. But I'm going to tell you, I think the guy is, if I look at a program in the West that is the one that has the best future outside of Alabama, you know, with, as long as Nick Saban's there, I think it's A&M, more so than Auburn, more so than LSU. I think with Jimbo, uh, they're not only going in the right direction attitude-wise, toughness-wise, but recruiting-wise. So those two kind of jump out at me. Then, you know, I, I want to go with Jeremy Pruitt. Um, I, I, I don't know what you think. I, I, I think this. I thought Jeremy did a pretty good job in his first year. I think one of the difficulties was trying to find the right fits as coaches on his staff. And I think he made some adjustments with that. I think finding that right combination, Dave, that uh, recruiters and teachers and doing things and establishing the culture of the program is something that he needed to do. I also think that he's going to be very positive for Tennessee and that he understands much like Kirby smart, much like Jimbo Fisher. Um, he understands what Alabama does and how they do it in terms of infrastructure, uh, the number of analysts, uh, the, the, how they handle recruiting, you know, the staff. I think all those things needed to be upgraded at Tennessee, and they needed to get on par with other programs, um, facilities as well. I think all that's on the right track. But, Dave, I don't know what you think. You're very close to that program. Uh, I love your feedback. But, I, you know, this is a different time. You know, uh, I think that the Tennessee fans, and you talk to them every day, um, long for the day of where they and Florida were the top five programs in the country. But in, in, in Spurrier got the better end of Phil Fulmer most of those times. But Tennessee was recruiting at a different level. It is different now, and I, I don't think people on the outside understand it, that Georgia is rolling, and now Florida is rolling. Tennessee could be great. Tennessee could, be a, could build themselves into a top 10 program. Heck, they could build themselves into a top six or seven program and still be third in the East and still yeah. have a hard time penetrating that. So I don't know if you have any thoughts on that, but I, I think that it's going to be a while if I think they could beat a Georgia and a Florida in a given game, but I don't look five years from now in saying that if all things stay the same and they never do things happen. Of course, I don't see Tennessee jumping Florida or Georgia in terms of the East, even if Jeremy Pruitt does a, a plus job. Well, I, I, when I go back to those Philip Fulmer days, I think there were a couple of significant factors. And one, I think Philip Fulmer was an elite, elite recruiter. I also felt like those Kentucky and Vanderbilt weeks when they knew they had far more talent, which is not the case anymore, that Philip Fulmer really, really focused on recruiting in those weeks. I think they had the facilities that um, absolutely dwarfed other schools. And I think their, their national TV coverage was a huge factor. Now you look around, and uh, everybody has fantastic facilities. Uh, obviously, Philip Fulmer is not the recruiter anymore, and Jeremy Pruitt is, who I think is solid. But is he elite? I don't think we really know yet. 
and <clears throat> everybody's on TV now. So I think a lot of those inherent advantages that Tennessee had uh, in the 80s and 90s and helped build them up to their, their peak there in, in 98 and through about 2001, I just don't know, Chris, that they, they have those advantages anymore. And I, I've said all along, I think Jeremy Pruitt, and this is not a knock, I think he can get them to eight wins, but can he get them beyond that? I just don't know. And that's not me questioning him. I just really don't know if he can get them to a 10-win season. And I, I think what's what's am competing for the SEC East. And what's scary is that's the exact same thing I said about Butch Jones. So I'm sure Tennessee fans don't like to hear me say that at all, Chris. Well, and here's the other thing I think that's maybe as big as anything. Um, he's not... He's not coaching against the same Georgia program that Philip Former oh, yeah. coached against. Yep. Georgia wasn't as good. They weren't as well coached. Oh, by the way, neither is he coaching against the same Alabama program. He's not coaching against one of the Mikes. You know what I mean? You know, he's coaching against the best. So those are two programs you got to play every year. Now, Florida, you know, is that they were good under Spurrier. They're going to be good under Mullen. I think that, I mean, when you take two programs like Georgia and Alabama that right now are clearly have a, not only a head start, but are better than you. Um, and again, I'm not saying that they can't beat one of those teams on a given year, but are they going to beat those teams consistently? No, it's kind of difficult when you look at two of those teams and say, pretty much you're going to lose two of those games every year and maybe a third in Florida most years. I don't know that's going to be good enough for Tennessee folks. I guess what I'm saying is I don't think Philip Fulmer in his heyday could have lined up and beat Nick Saban in Alabama. I think Philip Fulmer would have been, you know, lucky and fortunate to go to Citrus Bowls most years. And I don't mean that to, to disparage Philip, but that's the difference between coaching against Mark Rick or Jim Donnan and guys like that. Um, or, you know, against, you know, Mike Shula and Mike Dubose and guys like that. I, I, I just think that the landscape is tougher. And that's the biggest, you know, difference. It's, it's, I think Tennessee is, when you look at national championship caliber programs in the SEC East, Tennessee's one of them, but they're clearly third in terms of natural resources behind Georgia and behind Florida. Now, it doesn't mean they're going to always be third, but Georgia's going to have to come back to the pack, and Florida's going to have to come back to the pack because I think Tennessee can go up and nip at their heels, but I think if those two programs do what they do as well as they can do it, I mean, I, I don't know that I see that Tennessee can do it. With Jeremy Pruitt or anybody, I don't know that that's going to necessarily be the answer. So, I think that's interesting. Now, we talked a little bit about Joe Moorhead um, uh, uh, last week. Kind of a similar, uh, kind of a different situation in this regard. Took over a really good program with the aforementioned Dan Mullen moving on to Florida. This is a pivotal year. They've got talent, had talent last year, but it was a transition year. It was kind of a catch-22. Should have probably played better, but their record was pretty good, Dave. Where are they going to be recruiting-wise? Are they going to be able to recruit? Dan recruited well, but not with recruiting rankings. He identified the right guys that fit his system. 
is Joe Moorhead going to be able to find the right guys and develop them as well as Dan Mullen? That's a tough ask because I think Mississippi State's a good program, but clearly are not one of the halves in the West of the SEC West. I, you know, I, I think can do a good job, yet I don't know if he survives long-term because I think they're going to have an expectation that's greater than the reality of what they have. Yep. Uh, well said. Uh, and, these and, guys and, all have challenges. And then two more we need to discuss. Matt Lukabow miss. I, I think that they are a program that is maybe getting to the point where they're going to start to feel some of the recruiting you know, backlash a little bit because of the depth. They went out and made strong coordinator hires. I think hiring Matt Luke was a good move for them, although Ole Miss fans might not be happy. When I say a good move, I think that because he was one of their own, he got them through a tough period. I don't know if he's the future head coach at Ole Miss. I don't know if he's the answer. I don't know if he can do the type of job. It's also going to be very difficult, although everyone understands. Well, I, I think they're split in, in the Ole Miss faithful about Hugh Freeze because I think most understood that he he wrote his ticket out of Oxford off the field. They also kind of long for the fact that that guy was a perfect fit for that program and a really good recruiter and a really good coach. And, and again, he's going to be tough to replace. So I don't know that the – Either school in Mississippi is going to be all that excited about the future. And I don't know how Rich Rodriguez and Mike McIntyre are going to do as coordinators uh, because I think both of them have aspirations of being a head coach at a program like an Ole Miss or someplace like it. I'm a little bit concerned about where they're headed going forward. And then finally, the last one is Chad Morris. Recruiting well in Texas. Got a lot of ties there. Um they won only two games overall and went winless in the SEC, only for the second time since they joined the league in 92. Uh, they were outscored 90-6 to six in the final two weeks in their losses to Mississippi State and Missouri. This is a, this is a tough job. We just talked about a and LSU is really good. We don't know the future of, you know, Ed Orgeron and how well he'll do. He's a fit, but is he a guy that's the answer? We know they've got more recruiting resources. AM, we just talked about Alabama. Arkansas is definitely, from a resource standpoint, at, up on a par, a little bit ahead of the Mississippi schools, but they're kind of in the, you know, the have nots. There's the big four in the West, potentially resource wise, and the little three. And Arkansas, you could say, is the top of the little three, but again, what is a good job at Arkansas? I mean, going to good bowl games, getting to the point where they're winning nine games is great, but are you going to really compete with Alabama or LSU? You can compete with Auburn if Auburn's in their down cycle, but Auburn is certainly better in most years. And I think resource-wise, you're going to be looking up at A&M. So I'm curious to see, and, and Arkansas fans will say, wait, 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 Bob Petrino had us third in the BCS at one point nationally, I, I get it, but is that sustainable? Well, it hadn't been at Arkansas, and it hadn't been since they were in the Southwest Conference, you know, back in the 60s under Frank Burrell. So I think there's some good coaches that I think will do a good job, Dave. 
I don't know what you think, though, but some of them may have the fan bases may have expectations that they can do something that I don't think is really doable at some of these schools. I like Matt Luke. Um, I do. He's one of two people, along with Tim Tebow, that has hugged me at SEC Media Days. So um, <laughs> there you go. Does, I hope he does well. Um, but I think that Ole Miss would have been much better off if Hugh Freeze knew how to use a burner phone. Um, oh, there you go. But I'm pumped. I mean, I, I just that's true. And, and and you know what? We've talked about this on and off the air. I really feel, but and I in in and you're right. I am hoping and praying that Matt Luke that he can find the right mixture and they can be really good and 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 can grow because I think it's a job that is tough because others have greater resources. And ideally, you'd like some that loves the program. Matt Luke would stay at Ole Miss forever as long as he's successful. I think Hugh Freeze would have, and, and you never know because you even see people that are that leave their home school if you got the wrong administrator in place. And believe me, Ole Miss has had some athletic directors, uh, not mentioning any names, people um, that um, weren't, weren't the best fits, and, and they drive people away. But. I really feel bad for Ole Miss and that Hugh Freeze was the perfect guy for Ole Miss. He's a really good coach. He could do some exciting things offensively. He was a great recruiter, and he was an Ole Miss guy. And I'm not saying he never would have left, but it it would be a lot tougher to get him out of there than, than say, you know, Tommy Tuberville, who said, hey, I'm, not, you know, I'm only leaving Oxford in a pine box when you knew darn well he was out of there for the first big-time job that he could get. And he did it at Auburn. I, I think that that Hugh would have it was perfect, and was young enough to be there forever. As you mentioned, you know he was a bad boy, and I, you know I think it's going to be tough to replicate that. Although they've got one of their own in Matt Luke, I don't know that he's Hugh Freeze. Uh, I think that's well said. Uh, that's your locked on SEC football podcast. We will talk to you tomorrow. Have a fantastic day, everyone. Don't forget Twillery for fantastic shirts. That are cool, and uh, also, they don't need ironing. They don't wrinkle. How awesome is that? Go to Twillery.com. Use that uh, Locked On pod, uh, promo code. Excuse me. The Locked On promo code. Get $25 off shirts as affordable as $55 when you bundle them together. Have a fantastic day, everyone. For Chris Landry, I'm Dave Hooker. We'll talk to you tomorrow.